morning and welcome to another beautiful Sunday with us. I'm so glad that you are here and we are about to jump into worship together. But before we do, go ahead and say good morning to your virtual neighbors, your virtual church family, um, to your in real life neighbor. <laughs> and just join us in worship now. Have you ever run away? Have you ever been in a situation where you just had to run or get out of there fast? I remember I was in college and at one point I was walking, I think down an alleyway or, or, you know, something. And I passed this dumpster and I heard some movement in there. And I was like, what's that? You know, just being the curious kind of guy I was. I don't know what I was expecting to find. It's out of a dumpster where you hear movement. And I look over the dumpster and I see a man. I'm like, oh, hey, can I help you? Do you need help? And uh, the man popped up, grabbed a knife out and pointed at me and started saying something. And before he even started speaking, I was already sprinting down the alleyway to get out of that situation immediately. Cause I knew that I could outrun that guy no matter what. <laughs> and I ran all the way home. And it's, it's in these moments where we face difficulty or high pressure situations where we have this moment to stay and fight or run into flight, right? We can run away. And I want to dive into Jonah today, who is ultimately known for running away <laughs> and getting into a big pickle, uh, a big fish, if you will. And it's, it's this interesting story that we find him in. What's really, I want to ask is, have you ever run from God? Jonah found himself running from God, tried to get away. He went the opposite direction of where God said to go to. But have you ever ran from God? Have you heard something, you knew you were supposed to do something, and you ran in the opposite direction? Have you ever left what you were supposed to be doing because it was hard, it was emotionally draining, whatever it might be? Have you ever been in the situation where Jonah found himself in? It's, it's like, why? Why did Jonah run? Why do we run from God? Why, why is it that we have these situations where it gets hard and we find ourselves running away. For me in the situation with the guy in the dumpster, it was because a knife was presented and he looked angry. I was out. No way I'm going to stay and try to negotiate or talk to this man. I am fully done. I'm out of there. But why is it that, tr what triggers you, what triggers me, what triggers us to run when God speaks to us on something that might be challenging or difficult? You know, if you find yourself constantly leaving and running from what God speaks, we need to identify why. So we're looking at Jonah. He went from the belly of a boat to the belly of a fish because he ran from God. Right? He was, he was sitting and sleeping in the belly of a boat and then ultimately transferred to the belly of a fish. One direction was away from God and one direction was towards God. So are you running from God in any part of your life? Let's jump into Jonah, <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. This is, again, the opposite direction of where he's supposed to be heading, which is Nineveh. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship 
threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. He answered, jumping down to verse 9. Now, there's a conversation that happens, and they draw lots to find out, you know, what's the cause of this whole situation? It identifies as Jonah. And so let's look at his response in verse 9. He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Circle that in your Bible. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah replied, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. He replied, And it will become calm. I know that is my fault, and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. Just think about that for a moment. These men don't know God. Jonah says, I ran away from God, who is real, and obviously impacting this. Just throw me in the water and you can keep on going. And they're like, no. They tried to spare his life by rowing harder. This is such an interesting moment. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Just to be clear, running from God is not trying to grab your bags and run somewhere. It's not this action. It illustrated in Jonah's story, what I want to look at is running from God is hearing and intentionally not doing. That's, that's what I want to get at here. When we hear from God and we intentionally not do what God says to do, that's, that's the predicament that we find ourselves in. And I'm using Jonah's life as an illustration to bring out some of the consequences, if you will, that can be not doing what God tells us to do. Because ultimately, God speaks to us for the good of our lives and the good of the lives mm-hmm. around us. And when we step out of that and do the opposite, it has negative consequences. Not that God's out there to punish us and do all these things, but he's trying to keep us safe and protected. And his favor and love and grace and mercy. And in these moments when we do the opposite, we step out of alignment for what he wants best for us. And that's running from God. Just because it... You might not see the action of doing the opposite. Don't mistake that. Don't mistake doing nothing as a sign of not running from God. Doing nothing is a lazy way of running from God. If God says, do this, and you stay put, that's still, in a sense, 
disobeying. Right? That's, that's his favor is shifting. His grace is everything is shifting over here. And he's saying, you need to move. And you fall outside of that umbrella. You're going to get wet. So what happens when we run from God? I, I want to break apart the scripture and, and apply it to our lives. Number one, it will cost you. Just a small little nuance of the story is it says that Jonah went down to the docks and he paid for a ticket. He purchased something. He spent money in order to run away from God. I want you to consider that. If we don't obey God and we do the opposite and we start going against it or running away, it costs us. It might be monetary. It might not. It might be the relationships with other people. It might be opportunities and, and things that God has laid out and those windows, those timing windows close. It'll cost us. So when, we're, when we disobey God and we run from God, it'll cost us monetary things and some invisible things that we don't even know that God is lining up yet. Because when those windows close that he has divinely orchestrated for you and me to walk through and we don't show up, the boat leaves. Have you ever missed your airplane at the airport? Have you ever missed a cruise? Have you ever missed a boat? If that plane leaves, they don't circle back and get you. They say, better luck next time. Bye-bye now. You know, in the kindest way possible. But you missed your window. There are things that will cost us when we run away from God, when we avoid God, when we just don't do what he's asking us to do. We lose out. I think that most, um, I don't know, thing that most people don't realize that they miss out on, uh, the greatest loss. There you go. The greatest loss when we're outside of the will of God, is time. That is, that is the greatest thing we lose out on. When, it, when we run from God or, or don't obey him for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and we finally catches in us, and we're like, God, I get it. Aren't you excited, God? Lord Jesus, aren't you happy I'm here? And he's like, I've been waiting for 30 years. We, we will lose time. We, it will cost us time. Mm -hmm. we, we will just miss out. It, it is better just to say, yes, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm a little bit scared. And move with God rather than saying, let me avoid this until I'm ready. You ain't ever going to be ready. <laughs> God is going to keep that going. I need to pass that test. Number two. It can bring harm to you and others. When we avoid God, if, you, if you'll imagine an umbrella with rain, if you're in Southern California, I know this is a uh, once a year kind of thing. But if you imagine an umbrella with rain, as, as God is moving, he's saying, come with me. Come with, come, no, you need to follow, follow me. And the umbrella of grace is moving. We, we need to follow if we just stay there, it can bring harm on us. So when God says, I need you to go here, 
He knows what's best for us. He sees all the factors that play in. He sees every instance of our life. He sees every moment. And when he says, you need to come here, it's because he loves us. He's not doing that to hurt us. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, it's to prevent us from getting hurt and prevent others from getting hurt. These sailors, uh, look at look at something that was kind of interesting. It was very small in the text. I love looking at small details in, in the text. It was a sailboat. It, they were sailing, and the people of the vessel started throwing their own goods and supplies overboard. Because of Jonah's disobedience, they lost their supplies. They weren't throwing his stuff over. They were throwing their own stuff. It cost them financially. It hurt them. Jonah put other people and himself in danger because he avoided listening to God. He avoided acting on what he heard from God. He, he heard from God. He just avoided doing what God said. And when we avoid doing what God says, it can put us in harm's way. It can put other people in harm's way. Granted, there is redemption, and we can look at the, the finality of the story. They were saved. They came to know God, and, and that's a praise Jesus moment. But in the middle of it, they were put in harm's way. Number three, following up with that last part, favor follows. Now, don't get me wrong. If we disobey God and don't do what he says... It can, be, it can cost us, it can put us and other people in harm's way. But uh, something that's kind of unique and special, uh, a very divine char characteristic of God, is no matter what, he loves you, he loves me unconditionally. And favor follows. The, the beauty of the story is even in Jonah's disobedience, he was called this is crazy. He was called to go tell this other group of people, thousands, however many thousands of thousands of people it was, about who God was, to bring restoration and salvation. He ran from it. But then the unique thing is, he still brought salvation to these few guys. See, whatever God is speaking to you about and saying, do this, Whatever platform it's on or whatever avenue it's in, if you run from it and don't do it, his favor will still be on your life and you will still do it to some scale. I think it's in these moments that God speaks to us and teaches us. He's like, I, I called you to do a step. I see you're not ready for it. So we're going to make it a baby step. <laughs> and we'll start doing this at this level until you can work it up to start running with me on this. I, I just, I love the beauty that is God. Right? He's not this angry, vicious being following us around to make a fish try to eat us. Right? He's like, I love you so much that my favor is still going to be on you. I'm going to bring my grace and my salvation will be sent through you wherever you stand. I wanted you over here. But while you're here, I'm still going to show up. And I think that's where we find hope in God, even when we're running away. Because he's still there. Just because we run away doesn't mean we bruise God's ego or pride where he's going to be like, no, fine. You come back to me when you're ready. No, God's right there with Jonah. 
every step of the way. And we find out about that because ultimately when Jonah is thrown overboard, a giant fish eats him. Sent by God, of course, because God is with him at every step. So finding hope when we're feeling lost. Where, where, do, we, where do we start on that? You know, where do we find hope? Like how Jonah still found hope, still found Jesus. He didn't die. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He still followed through. But for you and me and, and, and Patty, how do we find hope when we feel lost or like we've run away from God? Or maybe we feel like we've gone too far. We have backtracked way too far from God at this point where he'll never let us back in. How do we find hope wherever we're at, at a moment's notice? I love this one statement that Jonah makes on the boat. Right? This is, this is the, the moment where his faith stood out. He was in blatant disobedience from God to where he ran in the opposite direction, knew what he did, and then when asked about it by the sailors, he told them, I'm running from God, by the way. And that's what this whole thing's about. But in verse 9, Jonah chapter 1, verse 9, we can see his faith level. He answered, Jonah, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. If you still have not circled this, circle it. Please highlight it, make a note of it. This is such this is such a big takeaway. Because how we find hope when we feel lost is, is this phrase, is this statement. The, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. The sea and the dry land. He inverted his statement in this situation. He said the sea first and then the land second, which is kind of unusual for this writing. From reading about from the historians and the rabbis in, in this, this verse, this understanding, he flipped it. He made it a phrase of, he is the God, he is the creator who made the sea and the dry land. See, what he was doing was he was referencing the God of heaven, the creator made where we're at right now and where we're going to be. I love his faith. Because he, he points out and he says, the author, the creator, the person who made it all, made where we're at. He, he orchestrated this situation. And right over there, the dry land, the author of creation, that's chapter 2. We're in chapter 1, and we're headed to chapter 2. He has the understanding, the faith audacity to say, where I'm at right now, God created it. But where I'm headed, God has already started writing it. He has already started preparing it. He has already made it a sense where I'm going to go to that next. He is in control where I'm at, and he's in control where I'm headed. And it's one of the most beautiful faith statements. It just found in the middle of chaos, right? In this huge storm, the boat is going crazy. The, the rain is coming down. Everyone's scared they're going to die. 
And then he says, God has created this seed, this situation. And furthermore, God created that dry land. The same God who created this situation has prepared that situation. I love it. How we find hope and how we wrestle with our faith and how we grow our faith in situations is we have this understanding that God is in control of this situation and wherever we're headed next. And I love that because when we think of God is writing what's next, it means that he already knows that I'm getting out of this right now because he's making what's next. I love that picture. He's like this author who's writing all the chapters of our lives. And while we're in the current chapter, although it looks bleak and scary and whatever, he already has chapter two in mind. He's already started laying the groundwork. He's foreshadowing right now for what's to come in your next chapter of your life. He's the author of everything. And that's, that's where we start finding hope. Of we, we are able to take our eyes off of the only situation right here. We're able to take our eyes off of the sea, the storms, and look at the dry land. And that's where our hope comes from. Because Jesus is with us. God is with us right here, right now, to deliver us from this, to go to the next. Jonah went from the belly of a boat to the belly of a fish. I think it's it's kind of interesting looking at the, the two situations, right? It says that he was asleep in the a deep sleep in the belly of a boat, and then later on he was in the belly of a fish. And I think it's no coincidence that it, it's kind of paralleling these two things in the Bible. Jonah was in a boat, then in a fish. And the core difference was one was going away from God, and one was going with God. You know, there's, there's such a difference of when we're trying to go against God, when we're trying to run away from God, versus race with God. There, there's just something that kicks over in our lives. God has the, the audacity to shower us with all this mercy, grace, love, hope, joy, peace, kindness, all of it. Even when we're running away. But when we're racing with God, there's this like supernatural overdrive that happens in our lives, not only in us, but around us. And I want to look at this, this verse, verse 17. It's the last verse in chapter one of Jonah. And it's this interesting moment that talks about what God intervenes after the storm. It says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So what are, what are some things that happens when we start running with God versus running against God? Number one, God will provide. God will provide. On the flip side, when he went on the boat, he had to provide his own way to run away from God. But then when, when he was going with God, it says God provided him the transportation. 
God will provide. And I remember when I, when I was a kid, I always had the impression that the fish was to punish Jonah. I don't know why. I just thought it was like his punishment for doing a bad thing. Like it was his spanking from God, I guess, or something, or his time out, if you will, um, depending on if you were born in the 20th century or the 21st century. Um, things, times change, I guess, you know. And the fish wasn't a punishment from God. Also, wouldn't use the word God provided. God is the provider. I think it's interesting. When we're going with God, he provides us what we need. See, Jonah, if you you practically look at this story, Jonah dug himself into a pit. Right? This whole sermon series is times when we're stuck or in a pit or whatever. It's times of waiting. And Jonah traveled away from, and now he, he was so far in debt of where he was supposed to be that God needed to send him and provide him with a supernatural transportation to get to where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. And I love it. Because of Jonah's disobedience... God didn't punish Jonah. He blessed Jonah in getting there fast. No storm could come against him. No no robbers could come get him. God sent a submarine limousine to Jonah to get him to where he's supposed to be. I I don't know why. That popped in my mind of like a (laughs) submarine. That's a stinky limousine. (laughs) But it had, you know, food in there and, like, water. (laughs) God will provide. In other words, when we're following after God and what he calls us to do, God will resource us. Mm -hmm. I love this statement. You have all that you need. When God calls you to do something, it's not that he, he sees you and says, you know what, in 97 years, eventually you'll have what you need. No, he's looking at you and he says, you have all that you need right now. And the trick, if you will, the faith portion of it is realizing that you can't look at the I can'ts and I don't haves, but you have to look at the what I got and what I cans. See, those are what kicks over. Just because you don't think you have enough money doesn't mean you don't have enough skill to accomplish what God has called you to do. We, we get into kind of dangerous territory of when we hear God say something and then immediately we think of someone else who did that and we think we have to have what they had in order to accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish. Mm-hmm. No, they use what they had to accomplish what they, need, they had accomplished and we need to do what we have with what we have to accomplish what God has called us to do. You have all that you need. If God has spoken it over your life, you have what you need. Either you have the finances you need, you have the skills you need, and the most undervalued and underseen is you have the relationships you need. Man, relationships open more doors than anything else. Oftentimes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not what you have, it's who you know. People around you is usually what is needed to go to the next level. Stop looking at what you don't have and look at who you have next to you. 
It's the people next to us that, that really is what God is resourcing us with and we are resourcing others with. Mm-hmm. Right? God orchestrates these crazy relationships to accomplish his will. Number two. I kind of already spoke on this, but supernatural positioning. Supernatural positioning. The fish was not punishment. The fish was actually supernaturally positioning Jonah where he needed to be. In our lives, when we are in the will of God, going after what God has called us to do and doing what we're supposed to be doing, he will position us. And I I think the great tragedy of this is we can mistake God's providing for us and think that it's the devil trying to break us down. Mm. You know, just because it's hard at work, does that mean the devil's involved in trying to do all these things? That could just be God trying to refine your skin and how to communicate and take that communication to a whole aspect of your life. God is supernatural, supernaturally positioning you right now. And the, the miss is that we could miss out because our perspective hasn't shifted. Like, just like Jonah. Jonah had a moment where he had three days to just sit in silence before God. All right, he had to go in, in front of all these people that were completely disobeying God. This is what his he was tasked with going to speak to these people that were disobeying God, and he was supposed to tell them, hey, you're in complete sin. God is going to kill you, right? And God provided this moment of just quiet time before him in this fish. God will super supernaturally position us all the time, and we just have to understand it. Don't rebuke before discerning. Don't automatically think that the devil, as I said, is trying to tear you down. But really discern, is God working in this situation right now? And I need to use this. It's huge. Man, how how can we expect to reach the next level if we can't handle the level we're on. I was just thinking about Jonah where he's he's inside this fish and, and if he really believed that this fish was punishment from God, then how, how could he move on to the next level? How could he move on to realizing this is just God divinely moving him to where he needs to go? Think about this illustration for a moment. If you walk into a building that's multiple stories, you walk in and you look up and you see the ceiling, right? The ceiling is the cap, it's the level, it's it's the top, it's the, the block part, you know? It's the thing that's preventing us from the rest. In our lives, we have those ceiling moments, those moments of breaking, those moments of frustration, those things that are over our heads that look like they're unobtainable. 
But in a building with multiple stories, when you're on one level and there's a ceiling, that ceiling becomes your floor when you move up. What we don't realize is that when God is positioning us divinely, the hardest part of our lives that stretches our faith actually becomes our faith foundation for the next level we go to. The hardest thing right now is going to be your foundation in your future. When you hit your next level, your next test, whatever it might be, and you could say, hey, re remember when? Re remember, I, I didn't die then. I, I was okay. God was there. He showed up. And on the next level, that supports us, that sustains us. Our faith level was stretched and laid as a foundation for wherever we go to next. Your ceiling becomes your foundation. And number three, the, the third thing that happened with Jonah in this fish is a heart change. See, Jonah was running away from God, but then was changed to racing with God. The funny thing about this is, is Jonah was force, forcibly changed, and God was like, eh, I don't have another person, I don't have enough time, you're doing it. <laughs> I am making you do this. And he, he was changed to do this by God. A lot of us don't have that luxury for God is just going to you know, grab our hands and say, no, you're doing it. He's afforded us the luxury of taking our own sweet time. But I love what happens to Jonah inside of the fish. He has a change of heart. And, and I want to challenge you today, man, what do you need a heart change for or with or with whom? Is there a heart change needed? Let's, let's look at this. Jonah chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Then verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That is vivid imagery. Don't miss the order of things in the scripture. The change of heart of Jonah happened before God let him move on to the next level. Mm -hmm. Jonah's heart change didn't happen after God finally positioned him. His heart changed and then God said, okay, now it's time. Let's go. Look, look, at, look at this. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. It also says, but I was shouts of grateful praise. This, this, this idea is Jonah is praising God before he's saved. And he's proclaiming who God is before he's saved. He's praising and proclaiming before anything that God does of bringing him onto dry land or of, of having him leave this fish's mouth. I, I want to say that some of the situations in our life 
are prolonged because we haven't praised and proclaimed and had a change of heart. If you're sitting in a situation with the Eeyore mentality, right, the woe's me, everything's bad kind of idea, I dare you, I challenge you to start praising God that he's in control and you're headed to dry land. And second, proclaim who God is in your life after the thing you're in. I think it's these kind of heart changes that expedites our frustrations and the seasons of our lives. When we can praise God before we see anything happen, when we can proclaim God is merciful, He is great, and other people are like, who are you talking about? Do you see what's going on around you? Yeah, I see it, but I know who my God is. It's these kind of moments. Right? These, these big fish moments, these big situation frustration moments. And we think our whole world is ending or whatever it might be. It's actually God sending a test and saying, I am refining your faith. I am working on you. I am showing you that I can provide for you. I am showing you who I am before you get to the next level. Because I need you to understand who I am. That ceiling of wrestling with your faith needs to become your foundation to stand on because your next level needs to be able to sustain you. God is moving you and he is in love with you. I want to challenge you today and know that God is in control. Know that you can have hope whether you've been running from God or you're running with God. He's with you. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us today. Give us, give us the understanding of, of what we need to praise you about and what we need to proclaim about you. Lord, let us understand the next steps in our life. If we're all in the middle of a season, there's no such thing of being void of a season, God. We're all in a season let us take the next steps of praising and proclaiming who you are right now so that our heart can change and mold into and form into what you need us to be. We love you, Lord. We worship you. In your mighty name, amen. Well, that was such a great word, babe. Thank you. Um, it got me thinking how you're talking about how we are resources for each other. And I was thinking that's exactly what doing life together is. God gave you yeah. skills and talents that I don't have. And he gave me skills and talents that you don't have. But when we're doing life together, we have this like bank to pull from um, and do life together with each other and yeah. all our all our skills and talents. And I know some of you have some awesome ones. So <laughs> uh, do life together. It's just it's so good. So awesome. Um, you just take a moment now if it... We're coming to time of our tithe and offering, and you can click the link above or go to lighthouse805.com, go to our giving page, and you can give there, and you can also designate funds to our children's fund uh, for making all those dreams come true for these kids. Um, and then also take the time to register your kids for a virtual kids camp this summer. It's from first grade through seniors in high school. The older kids will have their own stuff going on and the younger kids their own stuff. But either way, it's going to be good. And the first 10,000 registrants get a free uh, supply box with like merchandise and all this so fun cool. stuff. 
So we're really excited for the kids to be able to participate yeah. in that this summer. Um, and just learning about the Lord and keeping busy with that. And it's, it's, it's going to be good. We're really excited for that. Um, and then next, make sure you are connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and our weekly newsletter. If you're not receiving that, let us know. Send us an email at lighthouse805.info at lighthouse805.com. And we can add you on that list to make sure you're getting our weekly newsletter. Um, and our big announcement is this Wednesday, July 1st at 7 p.m. Yes. 7 p.m. We're going to be doing communion together. We're going to come together virtual style, but it's going to still be family style. <laughs> and we're going to take the time to just pray for each other, have some communion, and really just um, sit in the Lord's presence with one another. So I'm looking forward to that. Please, please, please um, make sure you're there with us. It's going to be such a sweet, sweet time. And we actually have a special guest that's going to be joining us uh, Wednesday to share a scripture and something from their heart. So I'm excited nice. to hear what they have to say on that. Yes. So thank you guys for joining. We love you. Have a great Sunday. Stay safe and do life together. Yeah. Love on one another. Reach out. Send those. Keep on sending those letters. <laughs> um, and we love you. Have a great day. Bye.